This episode of the podcast is brought to you by All Black Hockey Sticks. All Black Hockey Sticks is the 100% carbon fiber, 440 gram, all black hockey stick. You may reach out to them at allblackhockeysticks.com, type in the referral box, Who's Your Hockey Live, and you'll be entered to win a prize at the end of the month via Who's Your Hockey Live. Uh, you may also reach out to them by phone. Their number is 831-68-STICK. Again, that's 831-68-STICK. Allblackhockeysticks.com. Again, promo code Hoosier Hockey Live. This episode of Hoosier Hockey Live is also brought to you by Sick Hockey. Sick Hockey is an Indiana company that has the sickest threads for the hockey lifestyle. Go to sickhockey.com. And uh, you may use promo code Hoosier for 20% off your entire order. Again, that's sickhockey.com. They've got uh, T-shirts, hats, uh, beanies, beer koozies, uh, and other products there that you guys will like. Again, that's sickhockey.com, promo code Hoosier. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by JustHockeyJerseys.com. Quality jerseys, custom artwork, unbeatable prices, if all those things sound awesome to you, go to JustHockeyJerseys.com. It's tournament season for beer leaguers, and if you guys want to have the sickest jerseys and socks at the tournament, you're going to want to go to JustHockeyJerseys.com. They've got the best prices, the best artwork, and I've been on a couple teams that have these jerseys, and they look fantastic. One more time, JustHockeyJerseys.com. Let's see those jerseys, boys. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Zinc Metals. For the best customized, handcrafted, fine jewelry, you're going to want to check out ZincMetals.com. Mother's Day is upon us, and if you want to get your mother, wife, or loved one a beautiful piece of custom jewelry, you're going to want to check out ZincMetals.com. They are also on Instagram, at ZincMetals. So check them out one more time, ZincMetals.com. She's 15, so, oh, yeah. 
just, you know, I'm all right. So, yeah. Very good, man. Good. Well, uh, you know, we're, we're glad you at least watching the game and, uh, you know, able to be around it just a little bit. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes to hear a lot of pro guys say that it's almost better when they're not around the game a lot. Do you find that that's true for you too? No, I, I loved it, you know, but the, I, I probably overstayed my welcome. I played till probably for a couple years too many. And, you know, like my knees and my low back and, you know, things like that's really starting to hurt. And at the level that I was playing at that point, it was probably, you know, time to move on and, and, and do something different. Uh, but I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I had a really good time, especially the, you know, Flynn general years of the 90s. Uh, that was great, obviously. We had a great team. So, mm-hmm. and I know that's why you wanted to touch base quite a bit today. But, um, yeah. no, those were the good old days. That was fun. But right. I, I'm, I'm, I moved on, and uh, I love to watch. I like to, you know, to scout. I like to look at players and, you know, teams and what they do well, what they don't. But I just mm-hmm. do it on, uh, you know, an amateur basis, watching TV or going to see my friends, uh, you know, kids play or whatever. So, mm-hmm. yeah, very good. Well, very good. Um, before we take it all the way back, uh, I'm going to do a quick ad read. Uh, this episode of Who's Your Hockey Live is brought to you by All Black Hockey Sticks. All Black Hockey Sticks is a Michigan company, uh, 100% all-carbon fiber, 440 grams, and all yours for 89 bucks. Uh, allblackhockeysticks.com. Thanks to Larry O and his crew for the support of Who's Your Hockey Live. Stefan, you played in the queue, brother, and uh, if I remember correctly, uh, a bruiser league, correct? Uh, it was when I played. It, it probably wasn't as bad as it was, let's say, five years prior for uh, for me to play in the league, but it was still pretty rough. I mean, some of those teams, they would have like five to six uh, you know, tough guys or goons, if you will, on each team. Uh, so there was a lot of fighting. Uh, my first year in the queue, I was playing for the Ramparts, and uh, we had zero—I mean, zero—toughness on the older guys. So it was all left to us, the, the young seventeen-year-olds, and uh, so it wasn't a pretty sight we went on the road because we were all on our own, and we had no uh, veteran leadership whatsoever. So, so that kind that kind of made it tough. We didn't have a very good year, and then. Uh, the ramparts actually folded and there was a dispersal draft. So I ended up going to uh, a place called St. Jean, which is a suburb of Montreal. And I played there for two and a half years in the Quebec major junior. And those were good years. We had real good teams then. Yeah. So before we jump into the move to St. John, uh, were you drafted to the queue or because it was in province, were you able to just sign with whoever? No, they have a draft. Just okay. like the uh, OHL does here, let's say for the local Flint Firebirds, there is yep. a draft. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I played in Mitchell AAA, and I waited the draft. Uh, very, uh, very stressful. To, you know, I, I was drafted in the third round by Quebec, which mm-hmm. the funny thing, there were 12 teams in the league. I spoke to 10 of them, mm-hmm. and one of the two that I did not speak to ended up drafting me. <laughs> and uh, so they were at the top of the third round, and you know Quebec Ramparts select, and I didn't expect my name at all because I never spoke to them or my agent, and uh, and then they they picked me, which was great because I 
Quebec City is a great uh, town, and the Nordiques were right there back then. So mm -hmm. uh, we shared the the rink. We played at the uh, the old uh, Coliseum, the Coliseum, which was a great rink. So so that, you know, it was a great year. I enjoyed it. Mm. Right on. So uh, you mentioned the move to St. John. Was that before you were drafted uh, to New York? Was that after? That was after. So when you play uh, in the major junior, you're 17, and the draft is for players that are going to be 18 years old by the time, uh, I believe, September 1st okay. was the, the deadline the date. And my birthday is in August. So sure enough, you know, I turned 18 just before the September 1st uh, mm. deadline. And then, uh, then again, so that was drafted by the Rangers at that point. And the NHL, I think I spoke to maybe five or six teams. And the Rangers were one of them. And uh, they selected me. Right on. So with the draft, and you going through that process, was it a lot like the, the Q draft where it was just stressful the entire time? It was, uh, no doubt about it. My hopes were not, uh, you know, were tempered. Uh, the team I played for, the, like I said, the Quebec Rampars, with, our team was just so-so. I met with a few scouts. And frankly, back then, which is not a problem now, but I, I had the weight problem. I had my problem was I could not keep weight on. I was too skinny. And uh, when you go to the NHL, it's almost like an NFL draft. You know, they look at you and they look they look at you like a piece of meat. You know, they, they want to see how big you are, or muscular you are, and your bone structure and all that. Right. And and back then, man, I, I I could barely stay at 190 pounds. So for a defenseman in the NHL, that's pretty light. So, you know, so having said that, you know, I, I they drafted me in the ninth round. And uh, the funny thing is I went to camp and guys that were drafted in the second and third, I'm, I, I was a little intimidated at first. And then I'm playing against them. I'm like, man, these guys are not that good. I should have been drafted before that. But, you know, that's just, <laughs> that's just the way it goes. Right on. So, yeah. with the uh, with the uh, entry level back then, were you extended by New York in your overage year, or did that? How was that? Well, the, the the story goes like this: I went my first camp, and I tell this story a lot. But I go to my first camp, and uh, I barely, I barely spoke English back then. I must mention that part. I was, you know, French-Canadian. I barely spoke English. And I go to camp, and the first cut goes, and the second, and the third cut, and I stay on, on the team. So my junior coach kept calling me and saying, you know, what's going on? When are you coming back? You know, all the junior players that are in the NHL camps have been sent back home to their – yeah, they've been going back. So I kept asking the assistant coach, you know, my, you know, my junior coach wants to know when am I going back to my team? And he said, I don't know. You just might make the roster. Well, I, did, <laughs> I, I didn't know what the word roster meant. I had no clue. So I was like, so I go back to my junior coach and say, well, I, I'm not sure what they, they're saying, but I, I'm playing pretty good and I'm still here. So finally, the third time I asked, I said, what does the word roster mean? He goes, well, 
the team. You might make the team. So I'm like, oh my gosh. I said, that's exciting. You know, I'm a ninth round pick. I just turned 18. The odds of me making the team are very low. But uh, so that was exciting. It was between me and a, a young player named Terry Karkner. He was the first round pick from the year before. Okay. And uh, they kept him, obviously. You know, they, they had like the big money invested. And, you know, he was big. He was like 6'4", strong guy. So, he deserved, he, you know, he deserved to stay. Uh, and then I went back to my juniors. And I had a phenomenal year. But at the playoff of that season, that's when I hurt my knee. And I blew my knee out. So, I had a full ACL, MCL reconstruction. So, I missed my whole 19-year-old season. And therefore, that's why I played some of my overage in uh, St. Jean, which was like two or three months. And then the Rangers called me up to Denver in the uh, IHL. Okay. So the first year, your first year of actual pro was on, on entry level, or what they would call now entry level. Is that what they call it now? I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it was just, uh, it was the IHL, International Hockey League. And, um, and, uh, yeah, okay, so I was, had your rights. oh yes, for sure. Because I signed a contract after right. my first year, because I had such a good camp. I lasted a month. I almost made the team. Right. So they signed me to a two year contract, oh, okay. which was great. Cause a lot of guys that are drafted, they don't sign, you know, I'd say back then they had 12 rounds. So out of 12 picks, maybe they signed four or five guys. Oh, wow. So, and uh, so I signed, and that's why I was under contract. So they sent me to uh, to Denver at that point. So okay, right on. All right, before we jump into the uh, transition to the pro game, I want to play a game called Rapid Fire. We do it with every guest. I'll just okay. give you a quick question, and you okay. shoot off the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Oh boy, I'm not good at that stuff. All right, let's go. <laughs> let's see. All right, favorite hockey brand. Brand. Yeah, Bauer. Uh, Bauer. Okay. Very good. Uh, favorite band? Oh, boy. Rush. Okay. Rush. Favorite meal? Oh, for sure, pasta. Very good. Uh, favorite adult beverage? I'm a beer guy, so uh, I'd like to drink beer. Okay. Uh, favorite city to visit? Wow. I have to say New York City. My family, we go there a lot. We like it. Favorite road barn when you played? Wow, favorite road barn. I tell you what, well, in Muskegon was kind of, I, I kind of enjoyed going there because the fans were really into it. They really hated us. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it made it even more uh, more fun. So we had a lot of good games there. Right on. Uh, last one, favorite sport to watch that isn't hockey? I, I gotta say football. I watched the NFL. Yeah, right on. Awesome. Or curling? Can I say curling? Can I say curling? During during the Olympics, I watched curling. Very good. All right, man. That wraps up rapid fire. Um, one thing I did think of in preparation for this uh, when you when we were talking about the road barn, I always used to listen to uh, WTRX thirteen thirty in Flint. And Robert Rowe would call the road games. And sure. my, my favorite like radio broadcast line of his was, we're, uh, we're back at the Mark of the Quad Cities. 
and it would just like immediately crank up the intensity because Quad City and Flint had a real big rivalry there in the mid '90s, and uh, for sure, every time that that game was on the radio, and, and and Rob Rowe was a poetic guy. He he could articulate exactly what was going on, even when you're at the house when you guys were on the road. It felt like you were at the arena, so. That was something I thought of when I mentioned the road barn. So well, Diesel, I, I mean, uh, he's a, a, you know a dear friend. I've known him for a long time, and I show on our bus trips. I was the seat behind him on the bus, so for many years he was the guy right in front of me. And uh, so Robbie Nichols would be at the front right. I would be like uh-huh. the third or fourth on the right side. But uh, Diesel was uh, the the butt of many jokes, and we kind of picked <laughs> on him. I hate to say it, but he was a phenomenal radio announcer. You could always rely on him, and, you know, he did a great job for sure. Yeah, right on, man. All right, man, let's transition to the pro game. Uh, This portion of the show is brought to you by Sick Hockey. Sick Hockey is an Indiana company. For the sickest hockey lifestyle threads, go to sickhockey.com. Use promo code Hoosier for 20% off your entire order. One more time, sickhockey.com. All right, man. Uh, so your first year pro, walk us through how you landed with Colorado, uh, just a little bit uh, like post-camp stuff and your initial thoughts when you were there. Okay, well, uh, so I started that season in juniors as an overage player, mm-hmm. and then they called me up about halfway through December. Mm-hmm. So here I go to Denver, Colorado. Uh, my English was very limited back then. And uh, there was no French players on the team. So I got there, played a few games, and I had to adapt really quick, which, uh, which was no problem. It was good. Uh, we had a really good team. Uh, that Christmas was a little lonely that year, I must admit, because all my family was like 3,000 miles away. And I was just there kind of brand new, right? But uh, it, it was a good – I mean, it, it was a lot of – that season I remember was – a. I don't want to say challenging. It was intense. We had a real good team. Mm-hmm. We went to the semifinals. Uh, we used to play against Salt Lake City a lot, which was uh, about an hour and a half uh, hour plane ride. But mm-hmm. we would that was the farm team for Calgary. And they they were really good, really good team. They, had, they were extremely tough. And mm-hmm. so were we. And uh, so we, we had, like, phenomenal games, lots of fighting lots of uh i mean it was intense it was good hockey i mean we had mike richter we had peter laviolette we had mm-hmm. rudy postcheck mark tenority i mean all guys that played in the nhl for a long time and and they had like Stu grimson martin simard theo Fleury. i mean they they had yeah, a stacked team also <laughs> exactly so that was like a mini you could have probably you know, built an NHL team just from those two teams in the minors that year. Yeah, you had three Hall of Famers in that list. Not a big deal. Um, <laughs> so your NHL debut, September 18th, 1988. Walk us through that night. Okay, so that's a preseason game, right? September 18th. That was, I believe, against New Jersey. Uh, played good. That was part of the camp. Uh no, that, that was a good game. I remember meeting with the assistant coach. We went over a couple plays, you know, that, that kind of exposed me a little bit. But it was a really good game. 
uh, my one and only NHL game, I believe, was uh, in uh, that was in December. I don't know oh, if you're yeah, looking yeah, at yeah, the stats. Yeah, in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia. So mm-hmm. that uh, so one game prior, I get called up and they say, okay, you're gonna go. And we have a of all teams, we're playing against the Red Wings at home. Uh-huh. Uh, in the Madison Square Garden. So I was really, I mean, I was really pumped up for that game. I was ready. I mean, I was, let's go, right? And uh, I remember during warm-up, I mean, Bob Probert was on there, Eisenman, Glenn Hanlon, uh, uh, Chase on, I mean, all these guys, and uh, Kosher. And uh, so I was really, you know, ready to rock. Michel Bergeron, he was the coach for the Rangers back then. And uh, so I'm watching the clock. You're in the locker room. You see the clock. I mean, I'm ready to go. And it's under a minute. So I know, like, we're, we're going to walk out any second. I got put my hat on and my gloves on. You know, I'm ready. And there's, like, 25 seconds. And he goes, Stefan, uh, Normie's hip is not too bad. He's going to try it tonight. So you're sitting. I'm like, oh. So my parents, my uncle, my, you know, uh, family... Uh, my cousin, they they had driven down. It's about a five, maybe six hour drive. Uh, so I went and met. I know. So I showered up, met him in the stands, and uh, so two nights later, the game was in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and uh, so that, uh, you know, I'll never you know forget that. Obviously, so that my only game, but uh, we tied three three. I was plus one. Uh, that was at the old. Yeah. That was at the old Spectrum. Actually, I played really good. Um, it, it, it was a good experience. I've, I've got yeah. a story about that, especially with the Blues playing. And uh, because Craig Berube, their coach, well, he was playing for Philadelphia back then. So we're in the second period. There's a loose puck behind our net. And uh, there's a player for, for their team coming. And back then, there was a lot of long hair, right? The, the mullets. Yeah, a yeah. lot of people had mullets like Barry Melrose, you know, not, uh, yeah. but, but everybody back then had those long mullets. And uh, so I see a guy, you know, he's got a long black hair, and I, I knock him down, good, clean hit. I mean, he goes flying. I grab the puck, send it to my winger, and we go out, you know, break the, to their zone. So a really good play. So the next change, I get on the bench, and we have Tony Granado, another, uh, you know, big name. And he goes, uh, everybody calls me Broche and hockey. Hey, Broche, nice, uh, nice hit. So I told him, I said, well, I said, no big deal. It's Peter Zezel, you know, small guy. Right. Peter Zezel, like 5'10". And so he goes, he goes, that wasn't Zezel. That was Barubi. And I'm like, I'm like, what? No, no. So he could see the fear in my eyes. Like, I'm like, okay, this guy's going to try to kill me now. And because uh, he was, you know, tough as nails, obviously. And uh, he said, no, he, that was a clean hit. No worries. But Ruby is a real good, he's tough as nails, but he's real clean. And that was a clean hit. You know, you know just play your game. And yeah. so that was just a little anecdote. But uh, so that was the game. But the biggest part probably because my idol growing up was Guy Lafleur. And uh, he played on the team for the Rangers. That's the year that he made his comeback uh, after a, two or three years, uh, you know, of being retired. So I played with Gila Fleur. So that was a lot of fun. <laughs> right on, man. Yeah. All right. So um, 
So you kind of go up and down a little bit. And uh, talk about playing with uh, Peter Lazulette, man. I'm, I'm sure there's got to be an ace story with, about Peter. Peter, yeah, you know what? Peter, I, I played with him in Denver. I played with him in uh, Flint, actually, also. Yeah. Uh, I got I got along really good with him. We used to hang out a little bit. We had a couple of uh, cold beverages together. We'd go out <laughs> and stuff. But he, he wasn't a partier, and, uh, you know, he was uh, pretty much laid back. A uh, real good speaker back then, you know. Uh, and actually, when I got called up to the NHL, he, was play- he, he had been called up that year. Uh-huh. So he was playing because all these guys had been coming from the – uh, U.S. Olympic team. So we had Tony Granado, we had Kevin Miller, Peter Laviolette, and uh, Mike Richter. So all these guys were under contract with the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Peter, no, I mean, we used to play cards together. We went to the dog track together a few times. Uh, but, you know, besides just the regular hockey and hanging out and stuff, but, uh, you know, really good guy, real, uh, mm-hmm. real laid back. I think as intensity as, you know, being a coach, now you got to be, you know, a little tougher and stuff, which, uh, but, uh, no, he was a good dude. Good dude. Nothing but good things to say about him. Sure. And I've heard the same about Mike Richter. You played with him in Flint, uh, did you not? Yes. And in Denver. Yes. Okay. He was phenomenal. Great guy. He was late to practice all the time. Uh, (laughs) But besides that, man, the guy's always got a smile on his face laughing joking all the time real sharp guy and definitely the best goalie i've ever played with i mean he was just but his work ethic i mean uh you know my my best friend his son is a, a goaltender and i and i always tell him you know mike richter he would skate backwards on the ice and just doing pad slides and just get on his knees and back up and just mm-hmm. i mean he just worked and worked and he was really really good uh, and great attitude, you know. You, when you're a goalie, it's 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 a really tough gig. You've got to be, sure. you know, short memory, and you can't let the bad goals get to you type deal. So Mike was really good about that. Awesome. So uh, you you make the jump from Denver to Fort Wayne. Uh, what was that transition like? And uh, you know, was it a new deal? Was it a new contract at that point, or? Well, what happened is Denver uh, brought in the Avalanche, or they were in the process of getting them. Uh-huh. So they moved the the farm team to Flint, and oh, it okay. became the Spirits. So I was yeah. in Flint here, but Phil Esposito, which was the GM that had signed uh, me to our contract, mm-hmm. uh, was fired. He was gone, and the whole right. scouting group and everybody. So they had a whole new organization, and I still had a year on my contract. Well, the new organization, they bring their, you know, their own players and their own draft picks and so on. So right. I came to Flint, and you know, I wasn't in the game plan, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So they uh, they sent me to Fort Wayne because Fort Wayne back then were they were independent. They had oh, no okay. affiliation, so they were in the IHL and they were independent. So I went there and. Uh, I, I mean, that was after maybe 20 games in the regular season. So I ended up over there for two seasons. And uh, those were great years. The first year, we, we weren't very good. Uh, not too bad. The second year, we went all the way to the finals and uh, lost in game six to Peoria. Mm. So but those were great years, yes. 
sure. What did you like about playing in Fort Wayne uh, with Hoosier Hockey Live? We have a lot of fans from that beautiful city. Uh, just, just speak to that city and maybe what you liked about it. Okay, well, uh, Fort Wayne, I thought, was, uh, you know, great people. Everybody is so nice there. Uh, very, a lot of good restaurants. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I felt welcome from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I live with this lady, uh, Ruth. Uh, she took me into her home. That was the first year. The next year, I had a, an apartment. But uh, but they, they were just so nice. The fan club was... Uh, off the charts, really, you know, uh, I mean, numerous. I mean, there, there was a big fan club compared to Flint. You know, Flint, we had a real nice one, but in Fort Wayne, I mean, it was just gigantic. I mean, after games in Fort Wayne, you know, most arenas you go and people, you know, you sign uh, 10 to 30 or 40 autographs and you're out the door and go get your, your meal after the game. Well, in Fort Wayne, I mean, it would take an hour or two. I mean, it was... Yeah packed and uh they they love their players i mean i remember kevin kaminsky i don't know if you remember but he was a fan favorite yeah like four or five hundred penalty minutes Mm. and man that poor guy he would get he would get mauled by the the fans i mean they they loved them so uh uh, but great fans in uh, fort wayne right on man so uh Played in Colorado, New York, Kansas City, Adirondack, Detroit with the Vipers, Chicago, Fort Wayne, and Flint, respectively. Uh, which market was your favorite and, and maybe a couple reasons why? I, I probably would have to say Denver just in this because I was uh, here I am, a, you know, 20 year old coming from Quebec from a kind of a small town, and now I'm in Denver. My roommates, we had an apartment downtown, so. You know, I felt, uh, you know, it was a really cool experience, and we used to fly everywhere, so there was no, uh, not a lot of busing involved, which in the minors, that's one of the, you know, one of the negatives about it. You know, you end up on the bus a lot and stuff. So that was nice. We were treated like basically an NHL team. We would fly everywhere and, uh, and all that, so that was fun. So I enjoyed those two years. Uh, you know, that was really cool. Grew a lot, obviously. Mm-hmm. Went from being a little naive to, you know, gaining a lot of life experience and stuff. And uh, it didn't hurt that the mountains were about half an hour away. So after practice, we would go uh, uh, Copper Mountain. They had light mm-hmm. uh, lights and stuff, one of the first places. So we used to go skiing and stuff. So that was cool. Right on, man. Yeah. So uh, let's see. In your pro career, uh, you played with a lot of high-level guys. We spoke about that earlier. Um, who who was the best player you think you've ever played with, and uh, what did they do that stuck out? Well, I mean, I was in the minors, you know, my whole life. But if you go in the NHL, obviously the team I played with that day. I mean, we had Mike Richter, Brian Leach, Guy Lafleur, Marcel Dion. I mean, two, four, uh, I mean, those are four all the famers for sure. Right. And I'm probably forgetting names. Uh, so, of course, these guys were, you know, right. just just their raw talent is just amazing. Like Brian Leach, I mean, he was, I mean, he was amazing, you know, just his shooting, his passing, his skating, you know, he just, but everything came so easy to him. I mean, it was just, just a nat- what you call a natural, obviously. Sure. So, uh 
you know, so he was amazing. Richter, we talked about him. Obviously, he was great. And Gila Fleur, you know, that was great. So I got to hang out with him uh, off the ice. Uh, had a few uh, meals with him and stuff. So that was really cool. You know, I get to speak a little French with uh, Guy and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's too bad he got into some uh, legal issues later on. But, you know, mm-hmm. I guess that's life. But uh, so those were the, re- you know, real good players. And then the farm teams, you know, well, you're probably asking when we played in, you know, for Flint, uh, you know, the generals for all these years. I mean, I played with a lot of good players. Sure. Uh, I could say good things about many of them. So, right. But, yeah. All right. So, so uh, you mentioned Flint. Talk about the uh, return to Flint and kind of how that all went down. Okay. So I was in Fort Wayne. And then they struck an affiliation with a parent team. So they were getting players sent to them from an NHL team. So that kind of made me, basically, me and a few other guys, the odd man out. So I ended up playing for the Flint Bulldogs. Mm -hmm. And that was the new league that had started up. So those were probably the darkest days of my, you know. the colonial league? It was. And it was like five teams. I mean... When I think back about those years, I mean, it's pretty sad because the, the hockey level wasn't great. Okay. Uh, but I had local friends in Flint, and that's why I sure. stayed here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the league evolved, and then that's when the, the generals got in the, into the mix. Uh, Peter Horchak, he was a coach for a couple of years. And then Robbie took over uh, for Dr. Shakari back then. And yeah. that's when the real good, uh, you know, sure. the real good results start to happen. Absolutely. And you just teed me up. So here we go. Uh, I want to switch gears now to a year uh, that is near and dear to my heart, and I'm, I'm sure it was to you as well. Uh, and that's the 95-96 season in Flint uh, when the Generals won the Colonial Cup. Uh, talk to us first about how that year started and a couple tells that, that gave you the indication, okay, this team is going to be pretty stacked. Yeah, well, the funny thing is, you know, we had a real good camp. And the first, I believe we lost two of the first three games. And we were kind of panicking, but we would outshoot the other team like 50 to 20. And it's just the way things would shake out. Right. Uh, but the main things I, I remember those years is we had a, you know, really good goaltending. Obviously, we had good defense. And we had two good solid lines and we had one good checking line right. uh you know that Chad grills was the center for our checking line and and those guys were willing to you know to tackle on the best line from the other team Man. so that was that was really good to have that and obviously we had some scoring power sure. so obviously we had a good season and then uh, robbie did make a few trades towards the end and that really, uh, like we got Jerry St. Cyr. That was a really good signing. He was really phenomenal, great, uh, good player, real smart, good locker room guy. And uh, we paired him up with Scott Burfoot. And they they were our first penalty killers, uh, Scott and uh, St. Cyr. So that that was a really good move. And we we also... Sadly, you know, he was one of my best friends, Jeff Whittle. We traded him for a defenseman, and uh, that gave us a strong fifth defenseman, which sure. was probably uh, another, you know, weight in the balance that helped us for sure. 
So, you know, obviously, I mean, we had a great defense. Uh, We were just solid, and we had two lines that could score. Uh, So we had Burfoot, St. Cyr, and uh, uh, we have uh, Nemorowski. And then uh, we had Kersey, Bouchard, and Sackick. So that was a lot of firepower, too. I I looked at HockeyDB for this one. This is an insane stat. And for people that aren't huge fans like I am, Bouchard, 107 points. Kerr, 100 points. Sackett, 96 points. That year? Oh, yeah. That year. Oh, I know. That's unreal. That, That was unreal. I mean, our semifinal, we played against Detroit, Frazier. And I don't know if you remember that, but one of the most memorable moments uh, in the finals is uh, Scorletus that was playing for them and uh, Bouchard, Robin Bouchard, because they dropped the gloves and Robin was taunting Scorletus and Bouchard, Robin went like this, like put a target on his face and Scorletus just couldn't help himself. He knocked him out. So Robin was really shaken up for the rest of the series from that event. I mean, he got a concussion and, you know, back then you you still had to play. You just kept on going, right? Nowadays, I'm sure you would have sat out for a week or two. Uh, (laughs) But that slowed down that line a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I remember in the finals, Burfoot and, you know, St. Cyr, they kind of stepped it up a tad uh, because Bush was a little slowed down, but he he was still obviously a great player. Mm-hmm. But uh, that that was a crazy moment. But uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned some of the guys on that roster, and if you're from Michigan, uh, you will definitely know these names. But Bouchard, Kerr, Sackick, Whittle, Duhart, Spangler, Beadle, Brochu, and McDonald. Uh, not to mention the monster between the pipes and Andre Mezin. Uh, talk to us about Andre Mezin and his play, and and how unreal he was. Yeah, Mez, I mean, we also had Chris Gordon was also a goalie. So him and Mez would go back and forth, actually. But uh, Mezen was really a, such a good player. He, uh, and back then, I mean, he, he was like a third defenseman because they would dump the puck in our zone, and he was able to, you know, maneuver the puck yes. with a stick and make good passes. So he made our lives for the defensemen much easier. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they can do that as much in, anymore in pro hockey to get, yeah. you know, different rules on that. But he was really awesome about, you know, doing that stuff. Uh, yeah. But besides stopping the puck, I mean, he was just, it was amazing. Whenever he was in net, our shots against would be between 20 and 25. And we would have other goaltenders and they would be more around 30. And the reason is Maz was so good with his rebounds. He, did, mm-hmm. well, he didn't give any, or he directed them all to the corners. Right. And uh, and also the way he played the puck. So it's like we had three defensemen. Yeah. He was really good with his rebounds. Uh, <laughs> so he, he made our life much easier when he wasn't that, because he was so good. Sure. And uh, even with the, lang- the language barrier, too, because he, you know, his English was, was rough. Uh, but uh, he, he was a great kid, really good kid. My favorite Andre Mezen moment, uh, if you know Jim Duhart, he used to be the old blue line camper, and I remember Mez, someone dumped it in, and it was like, Mez grabs it and just saucers it down to Duhart, he like, root 
Rivers, the Clapper, and the plays went nuts. Oh, yeah, I believe it. Yeah, he, he was accurate. He could saucer it and stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll have to right tell on. Dewey that story. I'll have to yeah. pick on him about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we love Dewey, man. He's, he's a beast. And, uh, you know, just that whole roster, you could tell that that team had good, you know, uh, camaraderie and cohesion because – it showed by the way you guys played and the way you guys embraced the fans. It was like a big family, you know what I mean? Sure. Oh, yeah, no, that was good. And then the finals, uh, we won game five in Thunder Bay. Mm-hmm. And I remember before the, I remember before that game because uh, Robbie came in the locker room. He could tell everybody's a little tense. Mm-hmm. And he says, all right, you guys, that's enough. You're way too uptight. So everybody's going to, he started doing, like, I don't want to say yoga, but he's like, to, you know, giving us breathing exercises, okay, you know, deep breaths, and, you know, so we right. started doing that and stuff, so we are kind of joking about it, uh-huh. and then uh, then we came to game six, which was uh, Monday, May uh, 13th, 96, so we just had our 23rd uh, year anniversary, and uh, I was always the first off the ice uh, from the warm-up, because I played so much, I just... You know, I didn't need, I just need to skid around a little bit, a few passes, a few shots. I would be off the ice quite early. And uh, Robbie used to have a board and he'd write all of his, uh, uh, you know, bullet points that he wanted to talk about during his pregame speech. And uh, I'll never forget, he said, how was the warm-up? And I told him, I said, scary. I mean, it's the best warm-up I've ever seen. I said, we could miss a pass. I mean, guys were just sharp. Yeah. skating good and I was like dang it, it, it was like I mean everybody was on their A game that night that right. Monday and the atmosphere in the arena was just off the charts and we used to you know we get to the rink two and a half hours two hours before the game right and normally the parking lot is empty obviously well that night I'm driving into the IMA the then the IMA I mean, the parking lot is like half full already. People are tailgating, and you know, it was <laughs> it was in May. It was nice weather. I'm like, man, sure. people are. I mean, they're wound up. Yeah. And I mean, the atmosphere that night that was just crazy. But we were so sharp that night. Uh, I mean, we could have beat anybody. I mean, easily. And sure enough, it was four nothing after one. Mm. It was eight nothing after uh, period two, and. Uh, Tacked on one more in the third, didn't you? Yeah, we got yes, we won nine yeah. nothing. But it was yeah. eight nothing after two periods. So we go in the locker room. So <laughs> we know. I mean, you know, of course we're going to win. We're winning eight nothing, and uh, it's uh, we're going to win the cup. Mm-hmm. And everybody, nobody's saying a word. It's very quiet. Uh-huh. And then uh, Bush Bouchard, you know, he, he's quite expressive, and he and he starts talking like. Uh, all right, guys, you know, make sure you hold your man and, you know, just like benign stuff. And everybody's right. like, all right, just that's enough, you know, that's enough. <laughs> we know. All right, let's just go get this done. Robbie came in, talked real quick, you know, let's finish it off. And that was it. And then we have the celebration. Sure. It's funny you mentioned the park parking lot of that game. I remember when I was a kid, uh, you know, being at that game and, uh, they had a pretty good, uh, you know, road group that would go to the games. 
And I remember seeing like a Donnybrook in the parking lot, and I'm like, oh. this is absolute crazy. Like, yeah, I did, I did not know that. Yeah. But my advice would be if they're from Thunder Bay, uh, if there's street fighting involved, uh, I would I would caution and stay away. I mean, right. those people are tough up there. Sure. I mean, they there's uh, yeah, we heard a lot of stories. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. So yeah, right yeah, yeah, we got it right. easy. And then I remember um, a couple uh, couple comments. That was the best game I've ever seen in person. Very good. Thanks, Sean, yes. for your comment. Um, yes. So, yeah, so then you guys win the cup, and uh, I, I remember taking that Tuesday off. I, I, with my, my, I think my dad called in and said they're not going to be in, and my brother and I had the day off because we were there still probably 12, 30, 1 o'clock celebrating with, you know, sure. 3,500 people standing room only at the IMA. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we had uh, we had forty five hundred, and I would say an hour or two after the game, we were still on the ice. Sure. Uh, you know, whatever champagne and you know yeah. whatever, a couple drinks and and mm-hmm. pictures with the cup. We had all our fans coming on the ice and stuff. But I would say an hour and a half after the game, there was still at least three thousand people sure. in the rink. Oh, for <laughs> sure. And uh, so it was obviously a late night and. Uh, but uh, no, that was good. I remember I was the captain then, obviously. So mm-hmm. uh, Richard Brossel came to the, and I've got a few good, really good pictures with the, you know, the, everybody standing up, and uh, we had cheerleaders back then. You know, you see them in the background and stuff. Right. So yeah, that was really neat. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you meant, uh, you know, you guys had some road trips. Um, are there any good, like, just ace stories of, like, the bus catching on fire or anything like that? Oh, I'm sure there is. I'm probably forgetting some. I mean, the one year we – this is kind of gross, but the one year we uh, – that was with the Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. We were going to Thunder Bay. Mm-hmm. And if you go to Thunder Bay, you're basically going to Long Lake Superior for hours and hours and hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautiful country. But in the winter, you know, it, it takes a while, obviously. Sure. So we stopped at this store, and uh, they had this big, giant jar of pickled uh, eggs, mm. boiled eggs. And Darren Mishiak, he was my roommate at the time, and he said, you know what? If you guys all put $5 in the pot, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat this whole jar. Well, there's probably about... Oh. 30 to 40 uh, pickled eggs in there. And sure enough, he did it before we got to Thunder Bay, which was a three-hour drive. So, And the guy is, I mean, uh, that was crazy. But I mean, sure. uh, <laughs> but we used to play poker like crazy on the bus. And uh, I mean, we've had to put players in underneath the bus in the uh, baggage area to go across the border. So we've, you know, done things like what? that. Hold on. Well, you've heard of that. I mean, some teams in the OHL got caught doing that. But wow. we, we, we have to do it once or twice, I'm pretty sure, over the years. They didn't check the bag area? No, not coming across, no. Uh, that's so crazy. typically, if you had a player that didn't have his, the right visa and you need him to play, so that, that would happen. So we did that a few times. Wow, that's unbelievable. Um, so... Who is the prankster in the room? Who is the prankster? Oh, boy. 
And Flint, I mean, Dewey was always one of those guys that <laughs> liked to, to play jokes. Uh, Jeff Whittle, uh-huh. Jeff Whittle, he was always, you know, a real funny guy and stuff. Uh, I mean, Spank, Spank liked to have his fun and, you know, he, uh, Ken Spangler, we had a lot of good times. And yeah. Actually, the, the year we won the cup, I believe he was with Bob Rowe during, doing the uh, radio show yeah. back then. So, yeah, that was... Uh, but I, I mean, the top of my head, those are the guys that come to mind. But uh, but the years of the uh, the Bulldogs, we had two gentlemen that went to Princeton College, uh, Tom Sasso and the other guy, John Missouri. And those guys were incredibly funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, they would, they would read uh, in the morning at Prague. I mean, in the locker room, they, they would call it uh, current events and... They were really, really funny guys, real sharp guys. But uh, again, you know, we weren't the best team. We were a terrible team, but we had a lot of good time. So awesome. Who was the straightest edge in the room? Straightest edge? Straightest, straightest edge? edge? Yeah, like, you know, he's, he's very uh, on his P's and Q's, and he's not uh, very fun in the locker room. Uh, Business like. I don't know. I don't know if I can. Uh, no, that's a tough question. We had a lot of serious guys, you know, that we were, when we got there, we were pretty serious. I think I was pretty serious. Uh, Mac, Mac was my defensive partner, Brett McDonald, all these years. He was real, you know, real serious and stuff. Uh, I've got a soft, part, uh, soft spot in my heart for Brian Sackick. Uh, he was my roommate on the road a lot. And uh, Sack, at this level, I mean, he was such a good player. I mean, he made he made everybody around him so much better. It he was so good. Fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he, you know, uh, Brian had a you know a few uh, you know a few issues off the ice, maybe like he, you know, not always comfortable with himself, but he was a, a real good person, really amazing player. He, he should have been in the IHL or higher level, but uh, you know, it wasn't meant to be for him. But great guy. He was my roommate for a long time. I felt like he was my little brother I needed to, to take care of and stuff, you know. So, But he, he made he made the Flint Generals much better, for sure. Right on. So uh, looking down the DB uh, of the roster, a name that jumps off the page is Mary Whitten. Uh, talk about her time with the Generals and uh, what it meant to the franchise and, and the game of if I have it or not. Yeah, you know what? That was very interesting because she was, uh, you know, she was our third goalie, uh, and uh, we were really good. But she, so what happens on the team? You know, when you have your your main goaltender and even the the second, you know, nobody yeah. shoots high, right? You wanna, right. you're not gonna, you know, put a puck on somebody's shoulder or in their right. face or, you know, because then bad things will happen. Right. So when Aaron in practice would get in there. That's when everybody would practice their high shots. So the poor girl was had bruises continuously on her, but she never uh, she never blinked. I mean, she just stayed in there. She was really really tough. Yeah. And uh, and she knew her role. She was really good. Uh, uh, you know, she had a way to around the guys that it was not uh, an odd thing, right, to be the only gal. Right. Uh, but I remember that night, uh, Robbie said, you know, we we had like a three-day with no games, and it was in the paper that she was going to start. 
and I think at that time she was the first female goaltender to start a game in the professional hockey. Right. And uh, we played really hard for her that night. We won, I'm pretty sure. Yep. Maybe we gave four goals. It might escape my memory now, but uh, she was the first uh, lady to start a pro hockey game. She did really good. Everybody was really happy for her. And then yeah. she went on, and then she went with the U.S. Uh, women's team, Olympic team, mm -hmm. and she was gone for like two months. And right. then she just came back at the end for the end of the season. And when yeah. we won the cup, she was with us. And yeah. uh, but it's amazing. Yeah, she her play had slowed down quite a bit, uh -huh. which was amazing. But she caught back up and. But she, she was a good gal, quiet, you know, she didn't uh, cause any trouble and she knew her place and she was happy to be with us. Right. Yeah, I mean, she played with Toledo in the East Coast League, uh, Utica, Muskegon, along with Flint. Um, you okay. got career numbers, she was 5 and 3 as a pro. Okay. With uh, a 825. So, you know, yeah. not, not terrible, you know, considering yeah. her size. Oh yeah, she wasn't. She wasn't very. Yeah, she wasn't very tall. She, uh, but uh, no, that was good. No, that that was a uh, that was a neat experience. She did a good job. Yeah, yeah, and I just think at that time, you know, having that exposure and kind of putting Flint on the map in that way, it kind of brought uh, you know, kind of a not just another field historic because you guys were on fire, but uh, you know, just kind of putting the women's hockey on the map a little bit better than it was. Yes, and, and Robbie Nichols, you know, he was our coach. He was a general manager, you know, pre he was everything. And he, he was a master uh, marketer. He was obviously really good at that. So he he was not afraid to use her and, uh, you know, in that capacity, uh, which worked out because we had such a good team. Yeah. And, uh, and he would do, you know, with some of our guys that like to fight or were good fighters. You know, he didn't hesitate to, to use some of them, you know, and, and have a few fisticuffs at the end of games because our fans liked him. And let's oh, face sure. it. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Um, one question that wasn't on the uh, script, but I do want to ask. Uh, talk about uh, Dr. Shakari and just playing for an owner like him and uh, maybe some things that really made it uh, easy to play in Flint when he was uh, the owner. You know, a doctor, I mean, I don't have anything negative to say about him. Uh, you know, we always got paid. Uh, he was very involved. He would come after the games. He would, you know, tell, you know, say thank you and shake our hands. And, uh, you know, he, he was good and he wanted to succeed. Uh, those were the good old days. So, no, Dr. Shakari did, you know, he was... Uh, you know, from our from the player's perspective, you know, he was a good dude. He treated us well. We had, you know, uh, Christmas uh, dinners, and he gave us a little bonus. And you know, he just he treated us good and stuff. So, uh, but I cannot speak for the business side or any of that because I don't know how right, that right. went. So, yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. All right, man. Uh, last uh, kind of part of the conversation. Um, when you think about your time in Flint, you're able to play with two guys that have their numbers retired like you and the Raptors, and that's Kevin Kerr and Brett McDonald. Uh, talk about these gentlemen and uh, the, the company that they must be, um, you know, with having that number retired. Just speaking, 
you know, speak about playing with them. Okay. Uh, well, Kevin, uh, obviously, you know, everybody knows all the, you know, he, he was a goal scorer and uh, he was tough. He could hit, he could fight. You know, he had the whole package yeah. uh, for our league and for our team. So he put fear in the other team because, you know, Kevin could do anything at any moment. He was unpredictable. So that that really helped his game in the sense that, you know, nobody, they wouldn't try to upset him. You know, they wanted right. to keep him. So, uh, but he was extremely intense, a really good team player. I mean, he just, he would do anything to win. So in all these years that we were real successful, I mean, he was a penalty killer. He was uh, obviously on the power play, uh, you know, the five on threes. At the end of the game, I mean, you know, the when you're leading by a goal and there's 30 seconds left, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, he'd be on the ice. Uh, but he was extremely intense. So things had to go right for Kevin. If they didn't, you know, he would get a little, uh, a little hot under the collar for sure, uh-huh. uh, and stuff. So, but obviously a great player, and he, he made us uh, better. Uh, Brett McDonald, I mean, I mean, what can I say? He was my partner for years. Uh-huh. I mean, great player, great. I mean, great skater. Uh-huh. He was such a good skater, probably the best skater in this in this league. Uh, you know, he could do anything with his pivots and you know, and do all right. that stuff. And, uh, you know, good player, take the hit to make a play. So for us, we were a great match, obviously. And that's why we, we played against the, the other team's best line for years. Uh-huh. And we could typically, uh, you know, keep him in check uh, right. at our level. And uh, that's why we had such good teams, I'm sure. But, uh, no, Matt, great guy, great person, great heart. Uh, yeah, I miss him. Uh, you know, that's it. Right on. Yeah. So, uh, Doug Manchek and Bob Ferrani, of course, are the other two numbers that are retired in Flint. Uh, when, when that happened uh, with the number five, just kind of give us your thoughts and emotions on that evening and, um, you know, just the overall vibe of it. You know, that, that's always nice to be recognized, you know, when you, uh, when you do something well and for a long period of time. And I think retiring your jersey... Uh, that's what it's all about so uh, you know you just feel validated but I always felt you know that I gave my all and I thought I obviously played good and we were lucky to have really good teams for a long time so I guess you know it it felt really nice to be you know remembered that way and uh, uh, and I'm not the type to pat my back too much I never was like that but you know, I, I felt like I deserved it. I felt, you know what, I, I worked my butt off for years. Uh-huh. Uh, we did good. I always tried to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, I was able to put decent stats as far as, uh, you know, points-wise for a defenseman. So, mm-hmm. and, uh, so that was good. Very yeah. good, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I can tell you this. Uh, there, there's a lot of people that are going to be watching this show and, and they're going to hear the podcast that uh, – really admired your play and uh you know I, I grew up on you man so if nothing else this is just kind of a good fan moment for me to kind of pick your brain on stuff and we appreciate you so greatly for coming on who's your hockey live um, okay yeah. well i want to i want to thank you for contacting me 
and uh, I love talking about this stuff. And I thank you for what you're doing, you know, bringing it up to uh, the fans. And uh, obviously, a lot of them are, you know, passed on or not fans anymore, obviously. But uh, a lot of people love hockey. And for you to do this, I think it's great. So I'll I'll be following from now on for sure. (laughs) Very good. Well, Stefan, enjoy the rest of the night. And uh, best of luck with the... uh the reality business and all that. Uh, sure. Thanks for coming on once more. Kyle, you're the man. Thank you. Keep, <laughs> Thanks, keep going. Okay. All right, man. Bye now. We'll, we'll see you. All right, guys, that was Stefan Brochu. Uh, special thanks to him for coming on and uh, sharing, uh, sharing part of his night with us. So uh, real quick, I want to thank our sponsors one more time. All Black Hockey Sticks, allblackhockeysticks.com, 100% carbon fiber, 440 grams, $89 to you. Um, you know, all lies, all curves, flexes, lengths, get your butts over to allblackhockeysticks.com. Okay. Uh, thanks to Larry and his team, uh, sickhockey.com, uh, for the best threads for the hockey lifestyle, check out sickhockey.com. Uh, they got hats, shirts, uh, beer koozies, all kinds of stuff on there. Go check them out. 20% uh, off your entire order. If you use promo code Hoosier one more time, sickhockey.com. Thanks to, um, Sean and his team for their support of Hoosier Hockey Life. Um, last but not least, thanks to the fans for watching. Um, wouldn't be possible to do uh, have all these awesome guests and uh, and talk about the game if it wasn't for you guys. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, working on a guest for next week, so hang in with us. Uh, we'll send a uh, promo code out or a uh, promo video out, uh, hopefully by week's end. So uh, thanks for tuning in to Hoosier Hockey Live episode thirty, featuring Stefan Brochu. Uh, Enjoy the night, and we will see you next week. Later.